Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson back here on the big podcast. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Edge Podcast. We'll be breaking down part of the Beaver's Edge Top 25 today as we count down the 25 players we've ranked for Oregon State football leading into this season. It's summertime, so TJ and I are going to be breaking down the list. We'll go uh, talk some guys, and we'll do a couple of these uh, throughout the uh, next couple weeks and leading up to fall camp and preview the whole uh, the whole list. But uh, good to talk to you guys again, TJ. What's going on, man? You uh, enjoying the summer? I know it's nice to see some uh, some nice weather out here in Oregon. Yeah, happy summer, buddy. It's uh, okay. vacation coming up here in a, in a couple of days. Going to be going to be pretty nice. Going to enjoy a nice long Fourth of July weekend. Going to going to head back up into the uh, into the Seattle era. Should be uh, should be good. Uh, but yeah, good uh, good to be back, buddy. Good to be back. Good to be summer as well. It's uh, yeah. a little bit slower. Not as much to uh, keep our eyes on, but uh, makes it a little bit more relaxed and catch up on some sleep. Except for Certain... you, of course, you got to get up early. <laughs> See more nap times in the afternoon, right? No, the, well, that's uh, true. That's true. No, it's uh, like I said, it's uh, call me call me little or whatever, but yeah, since uh, I've started doing morning radio, just like that that little hour nap is just it, it's needed each day just to kind of you know get the engine still firing to make it through the course of a day. But uh, this time of year, it's great, especially when it's sunny outside and. You know, like I said, Oregon State's obviously building their 2024 recruiting class, had lots of recruiting updates, and make sure to stay locked to beaversedge.com. We've had a couple 2023 commits lately, too, some receivers that'll be joining the Beavers uh, this summer and uh, going to be making the uh, the fall camp roster, obviously. And TJ and I will be previewing the start of fall camp and all that fun stuff as it gets closer. I know I'm getting excited. DJU, Oregon State football, 2023 coming off a 10-win season. It feels like the Vegas Bowl was just yesterday in a lot of ways. And here we are just, you know, end of June, just right around the corner. But let's not wish away the rest of summer just yet. And again, as we mentioned here on the top of the podcast, we're going to kind of break down the uh, Beaver's Edge top 25 in stages this year. We're going to add the video element to it. Again, the Beaver's Edge top 25 right now, number 21 through 25, and the honorable mentions are posted. So go ahead and check those out. And we wanted to add a little video element this year, TJ and I, as we develop the list together this year, breaking down, you know, how the list is, how we feeling about each guy, and kind of just giving some general thoughts uh, on the list as we approach the start of fall camp. And TJ, let's go ahead and head on over to the honorable mentions and uh, the just missed list. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the just missed this year. Uh, we got tight end Riley Sharp, who just moved over to the position uh, from outside linebacker, a new uh, defensive line uh, addition, uh, Oluwasie Amatosho. Pretty sure I have this last name correct there. Going to go I think by he nailed it. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, he goes by Olu, so it's going to be real easy there, DJ. Uh, outside linebacker Corey Stover, inside linebacker John Miller, uh, running back Isaiah Newell, tight end Jermaine Terry, and defensive back Achille Arnold. Those were the guys that TJ and I couldn't quite squeeze into the honorable mentions. They were on that next list. Uh, TJ, what are some thoughts you have on uh, that group? Despite being just outside the honorable mention, still some talented pieces there who I think will still play a sizable role for Oregon State football this year. Would you take uh, – I- at this point, if you if Olu 
you know, reaches the expectations. I, I would imagine he would, if we were to do a postseason yes. top 25 after this year, I think you would imagine he would be one of the top 25 players on this roster. I would think we just haven't watched him play yet. So in, in meaningful games outside of practice. So I don't, I don't think we can meaningfully put him on there again. He might have the talent no, to do so. hundred percent. There's but, a, there's uh, a, there, yeah, there, there's a couple guys like that. I mean, TJ mentioned Olu comes in again, just off the top of my head. I believe he was close to double digit sacks at Wyoming this last year. Um, again, it's either seven and a half or nine and a half. Don't have his numbers exactly in front of me at the moment, but very effective season, very effective edge rush. The Beavers are very pleased with what he's going to bring to the table. And TJ's right. I think he's a guy that definitely could be top 25 end of the season or even leaning into next year's rankings. The unknown for him. Uh, another guy for me that is kind of in that mix. John Miller could end up starting at one of the inside mm -hmm. linebacker spots. The reason we have him on the just missed right now is, you know, that spot's still a little in flux. We're not sure quite who's going to be the starter there. Uh, otherwise, I could see John Miller getting in that mix. Again, the pride of Tualatin, Oregon. Got to give him a shout out. Uh, you know, I, I think he could be on that mix. And then uh, to an extent, I'm, maybe Jermaine Terry. Maybe was, Jermaine yeah, Terry. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say that too. It's, and I, I was going to say uh, you know, make a similar comparison once we get into 21 to 25. But at sure. this moment, we can just hang out here with Jermaine Terry. I mean, most of that tight end production is is up for grabs. A little bit of it from Luke Musgrave sure last year. We had the, the hit or miss of Jack Velling. Uh, you know, some games you'd pop, some games you would not. But, sure. you know, now that you got your guy behind center and you might want to, you know, the balance of pass and run might be similar, but you're going to want to take a, a few more high danger throws, I guess, over the middle with the arm talent you have under center with DJ. Sure. You know, that's going to make the tight end pretty important. And Jermaine Terry, when we saw him in the spring, flashed some pretty good speed for the tight end position. And that leaves a lot of upside there. He did. And I'm curious to kind of see, because, you know, the Beavers really seem to, to you know, put their tight ends, for lack of better terms, into two groups. They have guys that are more receivers and guys who are more blockers. And I think we saw this last year, like Jake Overman, not going to offer a ton in the receiving department. Maybe it's them not using him. I'm not going to say he's lack of, you know, ability, but for whatever reason, you know, he had 50 some receiving yards this last year, but he was tremendous blocker. We saw Jack Belling handle most of the receiving duties this year. I expect Overman to be a stud and kind of be that number one tight end. As far as the lead blocker goes and kind of have Jack Belling be in the mix too. That's where the thing, the interesting thing is with Jermaine Terry and Riley Sharp. What are each of them going to bring to that position? It's almost where, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Could you see like Riley Sharp being more of a blocker for how big he is? And maybe Terry, like we said, is going to be more of the receiving threat. Um, you know, heck, we could even see Jake Overman get thrown to a lot more this year of DJ or, you know, insert quarterback here. I'm going to spoil it for everybody, TJ, and I think it's going to be DJ. But, you know, it's not set in stone, so we have to say, you know, insert quarterback here. Um, but, no, I think the tight ends will be used a lot more this year, and I think there's a lot of talent there. So, you know, that's that's as the list uh, runs down. I mean, Isaiah Newell, I think he's got the talent to be top 25 too, but he's, <clears throat> excuse me, buried on a depth chart full of really good running backs. And, you know, that's just the way that cookie crumbles. And Achille Arnold, I, I think, you know, he's a very solid defensive back. You know, he really kind of played that um, extra safety this last year. But with 
Alton Julian being back in the mix and Katano Ladapo, both those guys probably figuring to get most of the run at safety, especially if Alton is back and healthy. Achilles kind of as that reserve safety again this year. But again, it's, you know, go back and look at like the Beaver's Edge top 25 just missed three, four years ago where maybe that group didn't have as much time. Like I said, I think it's this team, the more and more talented it gets, it gets harder and harder to trim it down to 25 guys. You know what I mean, TJ? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's obviously something you'd have a little bit more, uh, yeah, a little sure. bit more, a little bit better memory than I would. <laughs> sure, but, sure. But sure. yeah, th- this is like, this is still a really good group of guys. I mean, even if we want to get over to our honorable mentions of, yes, sure. Like the talent level of some of, of some of these guys. I mean, we have Aiden Charles on our honorable mentions. I think yes. I would be shocked if we're going to get some pushback that some people might think Aiden Charles is already top 25 on this roster from you know the stuff that we've seen yeah and i'd say you know talent wise watching him on the field i'd say yeah. he's a pretty good shot he's one of the 25 best players on this roster i've you know if you said if you yeah. made that case to me i'm not so certain i'm certain i'm pushing back and he could be even higher than just you know around the edge of the top 25 you know that talent that talent level is pretty good but as all of we know there's you know two guys in front of him on the depth chart we uh, right. might not play a single snap this year, in which case it's kind of hard to justify a top 20 spot for, for, for Aiden Childs as well. And Josiah Irish, sneaky, sneaky. I mean, that dude is so fast. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's, he's quite the weapon that you can have on offense and certainly has a chance to earn himself a top 25 role if they, uh, if they find some ways to use him. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with everything you said on Childs. I mean, it's, I, you know, I go with the eye test. CJ and don't get me wrong that kid dazzled I think he is everything that is going right with Oregon State football personified into a recruit person whatever you know you want to say I, I I think he really represents the future of this program with that being said he was never not really the third quarterback all spring and that's not like we would expected him to be but it was pretty clearly Ben DJ and then Aiden kind of ran against the third team defense with, eh, you know, a mix of twos and threes. I mean, TJ, you were at some practices too this spring. Does that kind of line up with what you what you were seeing out there? And, you know, with that, you know, I know he stole the show at the spring game. And, again, this is not – it's nothing negative here. I love Aiden Childs. I think he's going to be a really good player. I just don't know if he's going to be a really good player and the best quarterback on the roster come September 3rd. Fourth. Yeah. Fourth. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he was occasionally throwing, I think, to second teamers on offense. But sure. in terms of defense, you know, they, first of all, in spring, you know, they'll dial some of those guys back and you really won't get to see too much of all out first team play on defense, especially sure. in the latter half, which I got to saw more of than the see more of than the first half. Sure. Uh, so it's like it, it is a balance there. Um, so I, I would say I mean, you're probably right. I mean, you and I, you and yeah, I mean, you and I broke it down at the spring game, man. I mean, you and I absolutely saw that, you know, there's no question. Aiden Child's best quarterback on the field that day. As far as consistency, the oohs, the ahs, the throws, again, like TJ said, you could you could pick it apart if you wanted by, you know, who he was going against this and that. But there is something for the it factor, and I really do think that, like, it's one of those things where, you know, I've been interviewed, you know, by a few other, um, you know, radio outlets, you know, talking about the Beavers this year and, you know, been asked questions about Aiden Childs and, and my opinion kind of hasn't changed. It's, I think 
the child's era is building and it's coming. I just don't think it's going to be quite ready to overtake, you know, DJ or, you know, even if, you know, if in some world DJ is not the guy enough to beat out Ben who went seven and one last year. And you could still tell there was a pecking order from the coaching staff that, you know, and even DJ, like to an extent, like there was an extent that DJ had to prove he was going to beat out Ben. And many times last year, we saw kind of Ben in spring still get the nod. So there's definitely something where Ben endeared himself to his teammates this last year. That seven and one record as a starter really stands out, obviously. So, you know, they're kind of threading the needle a little bit, TJ. And I, I think, you know, they're all, I think, I don't think it's a contentious quarterback room at all, but my opinion hasn't changed where I still think ultimately come that game against San Jose state, it will be DJ under center, but surprises happen. And that's why we got Aiden, you know, just right where he is, because I think, I think his, his future is coming and coming very quickly. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, rounding out the honorable mentions real quick, uh, both specialists. We got Everett Hayes coming in as the kicker, uh, Josh green, stepping into the punter spot after Luke Losher's uh, graduation this last year. And then uh, Grant Stark, who is likely to be the quote-unquote sixth man of the offensive line, at least in our thinking early at this moment before they get into the nitty-gritty of fall camp. Uh, just some quick thoughts on on Stark and before we get into the specialist. You know, Stark was one of the high-profile offseason transfers, comes in from Nevada, uh, lots of experience. And, you know, I really think he could actually be in the mix to be one of the starters However, Oregon State's offensive line has been so elite for so many seasons now. And when you consider that they're the five guys that we've got in the mix that we expect to start have started games for Oregon State in the past, that kind of gives the nod right now. But again, this is all very subjective and and could change. Uh, I think, you know, Stark is going to be a, a tremendous guy to have available if anybody goes down or anything like that because – um, you know, it's it's hard to find plug and play offensive linemen sometimes. We saw a lot of uh, a lot of the second team in spring, so I and it's stark off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and read my notebook, but I, I he was in there a little bit during the spring. It is, I feel like it's kind of hard to to judge performance in spring practice of an offensive you know, line. It is, um, but yeah, you're right. There's just there really is no more valuable commodity in football than line depth. Yeah, there's not. So it's good. It should be good for to watch. And I'm sure Jonathan Smith is when he got that commitment, it's just just thrilled the the ability to have someone who could play multiple spots on the offensive line. And I know a lot of these guys we've heard um, heard a lot of the guys along the offensive line mentioned that they feel like they're all they all could play most spots along that line. And I think that's really what. Yeah, I really think that's valuable along this offensive line. And you know, Stark is is ready to to fill that role because someone's gonna get hurt. Somebody, it's gonna yeah. happen. Someone's gonna yeah. someone's gonna go down with injury, and it's just the question of how good's the guy there to to fill in, and they feel confident in him. And we'll see really how that group meshes and and how they match up with this defensive line come uh, come fall. Yeah, I mean, and it's just impressive to me that Oregon State, even this last year, you know, you lose Brandon Kipper, who was you know a, a big time. Just, I mean, A, an awesome interview. I love talking to Brandon. Uh, B, just a very, you know, 
culture keeper type of leader uh, with the team and Oregon State still, you know, projecting to have a, a really good offensive line. I think it just speaks to the depth that uh, Coach Mahalchek has built up there. Uh, Josh Green, I know uh, those listening probably don't know a whole lot about Josh Green as he's kind of been waiting in the wings for a couple years. Uh, the behind the scenes look at that is that Josh Green has been competing with Luke Losher, uh, pretty much open competition the last two years. Losher's been just a little bit better or was just a little bit better. And I think that's why he won the job ultimately. But Jonathan, you know, said this off season that complete faith in Josh Green. We saw some pretty good punts from him in spring. You know, we do see a lot of special teams work in spring from time to time. So, you know, uh, I, I think Beaver fans can expect very similar to what we've seen uh, with Luke Losher, uh, with Josh Green. I think he's going to be uh, just as reliable uh, for Oregon State in that regard. Everett Hayes, you know, this is the second straight year he makes the list on the honorable mention. There's no question, TJ, he's got to be better this year for Oregon State. He goes just 6-13 this last year, uh, 46%. He dealt with a groin injury, was out for a couple weeks. He split some time with Atticus Sappington. Both those guys split some time in spring. Uh, Josh McCormick was in the mix as well. Um Bottom line with Oregon State's kickers, Everett Hayes still offers the highest upside. He's got the best distance, the best consistency, uh, the most reliability that I've seen when he's healthy. However, we've also seen that Everett's prone to some inconsistency. You know, we've seen him, you know, miss some 30 yarders in practice before and, and some other things. So I think more than anything, um, you know, Everett needs to get back to where he was in 2021 as opposed to how he was in 2022 the injury is a big part of that and I think that kind of limited him last year but you know TJ as far as when you're looking at holes with Oregon State last year the passing game was one the kicking game was another and it was probably the second most important one yeah that was you know post-game bowl game press conference or no it was a pre-spring I think it might have been pre-spring I mean you know, you're asking Jonathan, like, how do you view this kicking situation? I remember that. Yes. It's nice to have a reliable kicker because you have a kicker you don't have to worry about. You don't right. like you don't even think about it. The guy's just going off. He's practicing on the side in practice when yeah. you run your special teams drills. He'll jog out there and he'll drill however long the field goal is. But there have been questions arose all season about the consistency of the kicking game. And for Oregon State, who had it going on to winning 10 games last year, had a couple close games, you know, had to swing their way. What happens when you have three less points on the board when you, in, in those games, yeah. when your, your kicker yanks at 30, 30 yard. I mean, that, that can't happen. So like at this point, if, if he goes six to 13 again, you know, there's probably going to be another kicker in here next fall. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, and i believe i believe everett's a senior this year don't quote right. me on that so don't there would be, would be yeah a new yeah one don't, anyway don't but yeah in another like the leash could also be short right i mean sometimes and, as but, simple as that you've seen in the nfl could, i mean it's not the nfl but no it could be i mean that's the thing though tj is i'm not trying to be critical but based on what we've seen can we say atticus sappington or josh mccormick would offer more than everett at this juncture no. So, you know, and again, just what we've seen with our own eyes in spring, again, anybody could, you know, again, Oregon State's got the very famous case of, of kickers who have 
you know, maybe started their career slow and, 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 you know, worked on things and, and, you know, what have you, but it's um, it'll be interesting. That that's an area that I'm keeping an eye on this year because it's, it's been, it was a bit of a concern this last year and TJ laid it out very perfectly. And I think, you know, the, the pressure will be on Everett to just be, you know, he doesn't need to be perfect, but just in the, I mean, 46% is not good. Like, no, you know, like that's, you know, that, that he needs it's, to be, he needs to at least be good. I mean, even if he made 75% of his kicks, I think the Beavers would be happy with that. 70%. And thinking about it this way too, the, the goal for Oregon state this year is like 11, like 11 wins. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. probably the goal. Pac, pac, pac 12, cha- you, pac 12 tar- Yeah. Uh, making pac the Pac 12 championship. Yes. That's probably the goal. How, like what level, like do the Beavers have enough talent? on this roster to overcome mediocre kicking to win 11 games? That is a fantastic question. And I, it, it's, it's not a cut and dry answer right now. I would lean yes, but knowing that Oregon state is never, well, not never, but just compared to the teams they're competing with this year, TJ, they don't have the most talented roster. They have the no. roster that is the maybe one of the most well coached one of the most well you know we know how to get the most out of these guys we know how to put these guys in better positions than that coaching staff does that's what Oregon State's about it's about being creative on how you overcome talent disadvantages and you know don't get me wrong you look at where Oregon State is now I mentioned on the top 25 Oregon State is closing the cap on those talent advantages in a big way and Jonathan has done that in a big way and that's what's going to allow you to have what TJ mentioned the opportunity to come in at a 10 or 10 or 11 win season potentially, but he's right for Oregon state to have a 10 or 11 win or 10 win or 11 win season. Almost everything has to go right. Is there, right. you know, and, and that's where it's like, is ever good enough? I think he can be because we've seen it. We've seen him hit big kicks. He, you know, in altitude kicked a 60 yarder against Colorado. This is the kid who hit a game winning kick to beat Washington two years ago. So he's has the big moments. I think he can thrive. I'm leaning more towards, I don't think he was ever really a hundred percent healthy after that injury last year. I don't think the depth behind him is, you know, proven we'll say at this point um, or was experienced enough. So I'm curious to see how it goes this year. I think Everett will have a better year, but for the reasons TJ just mentioned it, it will be fascinating to see because Oregon state really can't afford to have a lapse in that area. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, move gears, switch gears, as they so say, and go to number 25. A couple more to run through on this uh, this uh, early version uh, of the Edge Top 25 breakdown. Mentioned him earlier, but now we arrive at number 25. Jake Overman, junior, tight end, 6'4", 247 pounds. Uh, played in all 13 games this last year, had seven catches for 51 yards. As I mentioned earlier, Overman's strength is in the blocking department uh, for how big he is, how strong he is, and how well he's able to move in space. It's almost like having another offensive lineman out there. Uh, I can distinctly remember many running plays where the Beavers would pull a tight end or you know have him get out there and block, and, and you know he would secure the block very well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's some untapped potential with him as a receiver. Um, I think it's very safe to say that he maybe hasn't had the greatest quarterback play during his, you know, Oregon State tenure. So I'm kind of curious to see if if 
he gets thrown to a little bit more or if he's going to be kind of the de facto blocker. But either way, TJ, I think he plays a, a big time role because at least one of Oregon State's tight ends for how much they run has to be a really good blocker. Yeah, and you would imagine he's probably top two on the depth chart. If not, you know, he's probably 1A, yeah. 1B with, with the guy we have at 21 on, yes. on this depth chart in terms of who's going to get the most snaps on the field. Yes. It's just the question of, you know, they evaluate a full fall. Is is it more valuable for us to, you know, line Jake Overman up as a blocker? Everyone thinks he might block, and then you can play action throw to him. Oh, well, sure. we've got two tight ends and Jack Bellings on the field as well. Why wouldn't we just throw it to Jack? Because we know Jack's right. a, a pretty pretty special pass catcher already. Or if Jermaine Terry really comes in during the fall sure. and he looks, you know, he's fast. He looks like a receiver. Oh, okay, so like Jake can come off and we're going to go like, you know, we're going to spread it out and go pass play. Right. And we'll split Jermaine Terry out wide on a, you know, tiny little corner and let him try and defend that. I mean, just how it just depends how, I guess, the strategy would work out in that case. And I, But I think a lot, you know, depends on, what the coaches see from from him in the fall and and if they see there's more inherent value in, in sending him out to, to pass because there's some pretty good pass catchers on this uh, top 25 that oh, are yeah. also going to want the ball. So it's a question of who do we think is the most valuable uh, or value of, of tossing him the football? Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, I think, uh, you know, very steady is what I would say for describing Jake Overman. He's steady. He's consistent. Um, you know, again, I think he's going to offer a lot this year because it, it goes, you know, ever since Jonathan and, and Jim Mahalchuk arrived in 18, TJ, I know you weren't here, but it's, it's one of those things where from day one, it didn't matter that the entire offensive line was Gary Anderson holdovers. Day one, Oregon State had an effective run blocking offensive line and effective run game. Jamar Jefferson was a freshman. All-American had uh, third. 1,500 and some yards as a freshman, something somewhere along that mark, and just had a great year, and Oregon State went 2-10 and 10 and were not very competitive, right? So it's one of those things where, you know, you go back to even then, the tight ends that were left on the team, you know, Noah Togiai at the time, uh, you know, others that were very key and just, you know, the Beavers have always, since Jonathan and Jim Hulch have got here, have almost always valued having at least one of those two guys, as you mentioned, the 1A, 1B, having at least one who's a really good blocker. And I think that, you know, Jake filled that role really well this last year, especially with, um, uh, uh, excuse me, with, with um, Tegan Quatoriano the year prior graduating because Tegan was kind of known as the more blocking tight end as Luke was the more receiving tight end. Those roles kind of flipped. And now we're at this point now where it's like Jake's a little bit more of the blocker. And as you mentioned, Jack Belling, who we'll get to a little bit, it's a little bit more of a receiver, but I think they're all very interchangeable. And like I said, I think there's definitely a little untapped potential uh, with Jake as a receiver. Let's move on to number 24, TJ. We arrive at Joe Golden, uh, defensive lineman uh, for his uh, final go-around. He played with Oregon State this last year after transferring from Northern Colorado. Had an injury mid-season that kind of limited his effectiveness. So I know some might be looking at it and seeing that you know he had only – four tackles this last year and we're like how is this guy on the top 25 well i think it's because the injury that happened uh pre-game warm-ups against utah really kind of it, it took him out of action just when he was getting into his rhythm he comes back he obviously plays all season but i really don't think we got to sh- show what joe golden was able to do he put on some weight he's up to 292 pounds i think he will be kind of that 
fifth offensive lineman uh, this year, you know, out of that rotation. And I think he'll play a, a key role. It's hard to say what, but the defensive line depth is better. And I think he will have, I think he'll have a solid season this year. Fifth, fifth defensive lineman, you said? Yes. You said you mentioned offensive line, but it's okay. Oh, I think sorry. you would do I'm okay. Sorry. I think you would do okay on the offensive line. Oh, I'm line sorry. Too. Did I say Especially offensive line? Especially bulks my, up that much. You I, did. I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. It's been a long no, day sorry. for you. Yeah, my apologies. Defensive lineman Joe Golden. My my apologies. No, no. Continue, I, yeah, I I think so too. Yeah, and it, I'd say this really just shows the the depth they have along that defensive line. And in terms of you know, since Jonathan's been here, you could argue this is the most it's the most guy most help. guys. Yeah, the most guys that you're like, all right, like we have quality division one defensive linemen on this line for, yeah. you know, with depth finally here in uh, here in Jonathan's. Yeah. Um, I'm a, what is it? Six. So yeah, this will be your six. Count. Six. Yeah. Right. 18, so um, and Joe Golden represents that. So and yeah. it's always good to have some good run blocking, especially in this conference with some very, very talented backs. Yeah, no, it's it. I, I had to do that math in my head too. It's like it's already his, you know, six. It's crazy how quickly time flies, TJ. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I correct myself there, as you mentioned. Defensive lineman Joe Golden again. Uh, I think his effectiveness this last year was again limited by that kind of unfortunate injury that happened in warmups prior to the Utah game. I think you know based on what he was able to show at Northern Colorado. I know it's a bit of a uh, uh, talent difference in, in league play and all that but he put up some pretty good numbers there I think he's just going to provide key depth I really do think the defensive line is going to be the best that it's been in Jonathan's tenure this year which again for those who have been you know paying attention since the very beginning of the Smith era it's been a slow build as TJ mentioned you know I want to say there was something like three scholarship defensive linemen when Jonathan arrived, maybe one or two more of them, it was very thin. You know, they've had to do this piece by piece. And, you know, uh, I think that Joe's going to be uh, just a, a quality depth piece this year. And I think his numbers will indicate that this year. Uh, quickly getting to the other, uh, the other two as we work our way up to 21. On this edition of the podcast, John McCartan checks in at uh, number 23, TJ, outside the linebacker. Uh, after missing the 2021 season with an injury, John came back in a big way last year, 34 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, one sack, five quarterback hurries, three pass breakups, 6'5", 247 pounds. He's he's a big guy coming off the edge. I, I really do think that uh, John's going to have another big year too. Uh, I, I like you know him to start at one of the outside linebacker spots, TJ. And uh, yeah, that's he's Again, another culture keeper kind of guy. Been around for a long time, redshirt senior, and uh, you know I imagine he's going to want to go out with a bang this year. Yeah, only one other guy it looks like on the on the rest of this top twenty five in the outside linebacker group that's above him. He's he is a pretty important part. There's going to be you know Riley Sharp is on the other side of the ball now, yeah. so you know it's going to be a little bit more on John McCartan's uh, on John McCartan's shoulders and you know this outside linebacker group has some you know important responsibility if this team wants to really generate more of a pass rush I mean those are some of the guys you want to you're going to rely upon from the for edge pressure and I think you know here in his final season that John McCartan can uh, can can you know take a step forward and really really contribute in that 
Yeah, I think that McCartan and, you know, uh, Drew Chatfield, who we'll get to later in the rankings, are going to pretty much lock down those spots. We mentioned Corey Stover. I think he'll play a key role this year, too, uh, him being in our uh, just missed as well. Uh, but no, I, I, I completely agree uh, uh, across the board and think that uh, McCartan, you know, uh, those outside backers, you know, and I, you know, we also didn't mention he didn't make our just miss, but Nico Taylor, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, yep. ju- uh, Juco guy that they got this last year, again, a little unknown to us, but I think he could add in that department. You know, the Beavers do want to rush the quarterback a lot more this year, but there's a lot of uncertainty there outside of those guys that we mentioned. So I'm kind of curious to see how that depth chart uh, ultimately shakes out. Uh, coming in at number 22, TJ. Alton Julian, hopefully the return of Alton Julian this year as uh, he had a bit of a bad injury luck. Again, had a uh, ACL injury game seven against Utah in 2021, was expected to be back at some point this last year, had, I don't want to necessarily call it a setback, but a little bit of what Jonathan said, you know, things weren't progressing exactly the way that they liked. So they decided to shut him down, get him ready for this next season. Everything that we've heard and seen says he will be healthy by the start of fall camp. And if that's the case, it'd be huge, TJ, because Oregon State's defense hadn't yet taken the jump because it was still Tim Tibisar's defense in 2021. But at that time, Alton Julian was the highest graded defender per pro pro football focus on Oregon State's defense. He was a stud. And I think Mm -hmm. if he can get back to the – he, he's key, TJ. I, I really think that he uh, he's a guy that can make you really not feel the loss of Jaden Grant extremely with Oladapo already back there on that other safety spot. Yeah, they might not miss a beat at all yeah. with uh, with those with those two guys back there, which is really enticing. I would say that there there could be the potential for. This might be the biggest risk of the top 25 because yeah. you could think of a worst-case scenario where his knee throughout the season doesn't hold up and sure. doesn't respond well and he's not it's not feeling well athletically and he doesn't look the same out there in which case that's you know that's a tough sell for Alton Julian but we yeah. you know we hope that's not the case and you know I'm ex- I, I I guess it didn't pay close enough attention to Alton Julian when I first got here and I'm really intrigued to to see him now back healthy on the field for, for this 2023 season where he's going to have all the opportunity in the world to really take over Jaden Grant's spot and really exceed and, you know, could do better yeah. than Jaden Grant. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, he, he it was, you know, really one of those guys from the college of San Mateo, right? The, the Beavers have really hit that college hard uh, the last couple of recruiting cycles and found, you know, success with guys. I mean, you're talking about Alton Julian, you're talking about Ryan Cooper uh, this last year with Trice Ivy, who, you know, he was signed this last cycle, TJ, and I already saw him running with, you know, pretty high level, you know, first and second units in spring. So that college prepares kids very well, particularly in the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, Oregon State's got a receiver coming in this year as well. So I think they really like that school. But I'm with you, a little bit of a risk on Alton's side. Uh, but no, I think ultimately uh, that's going to, um, to be a big determinant. But I think if he's able to get back, it will be key. And real quickly to kind of wrap this up, uh, we come in at number 21. We mentioned him earlier, Jack Belling, the sophomore, 6'4", 240-pound tight end from Seattle, Washington, the pride of TJ's neighborhood, Seattle Prep School. Uh, played in uh, 11 games this last year, seven starts after Luke Musgrave's injury. 
16 catches for 281 yards and three scores. I think that, you know, it was a, it's one of those things where maybe it wasn't great last year. You're going to see the fruits of throwing him into the fire last year, this season. I think, I think he's going to have a really good year. I really do. He has the potential to be way higher on this board, especially if he's getting, you know, if they feel confident giving him the volume they gave Luke Musgrave and he really responds and he's, and he's really getting himself open and he really, you know, shows that he can be a dedicated receiver. I mean, again, at this point last year, if we, you know, after one game of Luke Musgrave, he was, Luke Musgrave was a top five player on this roster. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the upside of having a tight end who's that valuable on your roster. So I think that's where Jack Belling could lead. Uh, I think it's super exciting to, to watch him play this year with a new quarterback. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be exciting. And there's a lot of a lot like you said, the new quarterbacks going to be intriguing as well. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Make sure to stay tuned. TJ and I will be breaking down the rest of the list as summer goes on. TJ, enjoy the uh, the fourth weekend, man. And thanks to uh, everyone for uh, tuning in to this edition of the podcast. We'll be back soon.